Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. again. So I, I cannot deliver this message this morning. I'm sorry. Only with the power and the help of God can I do so. Let's pray once again. Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for this community of students, faculty, staff, We pray your blessing as we seek to exhort and encourage one another. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, for without me, what can you do? Nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. It goes for every aspect of our life. So good morning once again and welcome back. If you're new here for the first time, welcome to Emmaus Bible College. We, we've officially begun a new semester. You got your syllabus, syllabi, many of them. You purchased or rented your textbooks. It's going to be a great semester. We look forward to it. We, we hope we have our athletic program without interruption. We do look forward to that. Thankful for those who are perhaps banished to watching on YouTube this morning. I'm sorry for you. But this will pass. been saying that for almost two years. <laughs> but it, it will. Um, before you know it, we'll be celebrating Winterfest. Before you know it, Christian ministry seminars. Next up, the Emmaus Ensemble will probably be presenting us before they go on the road for spring break with their choral music. And, you know, it's going to go so fast. You'll be finding yourself sitting across from your friends, hopefully still your friends, at Spring Banquet (laughs) before you know it. (laughs) Work on that. Relationships. It's an important element of the community of the people of God. So much to be excited about, but with, with all of that, the core of your responsibility here and what you're paying for I trust, is to diligently apply yourself to your studies, to learning and absorbing the concepts and the practices that are presented to you in the Word of God and in other areas of subject matter. I still reflect back with terror on my first business stats class. I'm so glad that I don't teach that anymore. I'm so glad for the students who were subjected to that that semester. But nevertheless, 
We learn as faculty, you learn as students as we go along. But this is your task. This is your immediate task here to apply yourself. And so I hope to stimulate you in that endeavor with a long-term view of, of why you're here. Our aspiration, our wish for each of you is that this time here, this semester, each semester will prepare you for, for a life of service to the master and that your life will make a difference for him wherever God leads you, whether it's to far-flung places in this world or if it's to serve in a local business or ministry community right here in Dubuque. No matter where you serve, it's our belief that the study of the Word of God, the understanding of it, the knowledge of it, will make a huge difference in the direction, the course, in your disposition, in your knowledge, in your actions. So now to the Apostle Peter and the Lord Jesus and this wonderful little recollection by Luke on Peter's call. So it, it's difficult for me to fully appreciate uh, this miracle as, as one who really is not much of a fisherman. I don't have interest in fishing. I don't have patience for it. Uh, I don't have the stomach for gutting fish. And I really don't understand people who fish and throw it back either. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand football or cricket or whatever your favorite sport is either. Why would... I remember my father, uh, who's with the Lord, he was a Dutch native, and uh, he watched baseball with me and with our kids one day, and he said, what's that man doing waving that stick there? So he didn't understand or appreciate that sport, but he loved soccer, football, as they called it in the Netherlands. So, so fishing, not, not my deal. Now, if you have ever watched a TV series called the Deadliest Catch it follows a group of fishermen off the coast of Alaska's Bering Sea. Uh, you might appreciate the commercial side of uh, fishing. You might appreciate why it costs so much if you were to ever go in a restaurant on your meager student income and try to order Alaska king crab. You might say, well, that's expensive. Well, no surprise when you see the amount of effort and work and diligence that goes into it. So when you, when you watch a show like that, though, uh, perhaps you come to appreciate the, and respect the hard work, the persistence, the danger, uh, all that's involved in the commercial aspect of fishing. Uh, this, is not, this is not a sport, in other words, at this point. This is big money. And um, when Jesus came alongside after a night of failure, uh, truly, I think they experienced what I referred to at the beginning. Without me, you really can do nothing. And so this, uh, this event does appear to be a key 
turning point in the lives of the apostles James and Peter and John, the three who are identified in this passage. They, they went on to, to experience a special intimacy with the Lord, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, and they were key apostles in the book of Acts as well. But despite all that intimacy and the Lord's wonderful miracle, there were, there were many failures along the way as well. And among other things, what I would like to highlight for us this morning is the persistence of the call of the Lord Jesus, his, his persistence. And this will be demonstrated perhaps in your life over the course of time. I can testify truly to the Lord's persistence in, in his calling in my life as well, that the Lord does not give up. If he has his eye on you, and he does indeed, his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on each one of you, and he's calling you to serve him, to work for his glory, for his kingdom, uh, to be one of his ministers in whatever area he places you. So there are other passages uh, where it appears the Lord encountered some of these same disciples and called them to follow him. Perhaps you remember in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, uh, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. And it's followed by Jesus' invitation to, he says, come and see. When they, when they say, where do you live? Anyway, who are you and where do you live? And Andrew Simon Peter's brother, he followed Jesus that day, and he brought his brother Simon, Simon Peter, into the picture. It's here that the Lord Jesus looked at, at Simon and said to him, you're going to be called Cephas, which means Peter. That was perhaps the first time that the Lord encountered Peter. We read in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark another encounter that Jesus was walking along the seashore, and there were fishermen there, four fishermen, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and Peter calls them and says, leave your nets and follow me. And uh, they, they did, but apparently they continued a part-time fishing business, because here we are at another instance, Jesus preaching by the Sea of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, different names for the same body of water. But uh, here Jesus is preaching, and he calls them again, this time with a miracle. Uh, this time Jesus provides a great catch and a great miracle. And then, of course, later on, Jesus has further encounters with them. Uh, after a night of prayer, Jesus appoints these three and nine others to be his disciples, and later 11 of them become the apostles. And then we, we will recall also John 21, by the, again by the same seashore, that after his resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples and has a, a personal interaction with the apostle Peter. So you see Peter in each of these passages, you see the Lord encountering him, renaming him. You see the Lord calling him away from his business. You see Peter's reluctance and hear another call. You see Peter's prayer for Peter. You see uh, the Lord Jesus' prayer for Peter. I mean, you see the Lord Jesus 
following up with Peter after his massive failure at the cross to be willing to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had such a massive failure? I have, where I've failed and not had the courage to be identified with him, to stand up for him. Um, these failures will, will come in our lives, but the Lord's call is persistent. So let's make some observations from these verses, simply noting what's recounted by Luke uh, as, a historical, uh, as historical observations, and then we can reflect a little on some of the meaning that's in it. So first of all, Jesus was standing on one occasion. It says the crowd was pressing, and Jesus was standing by the lake, by the Sea of Gennesaret. Again, also called by these other names geographically. And we see also there, it, it says a crowd had gathered. So we, we see the scene here. Jesus had arrived on the scene and was standing there. A crowd had gathered and was listening to him. What was the Lord Jesus doing? It says he was proclaiming the word of God. They were there to hear the word of God. So at this time, the Lord Jesus was already known as one who was preaching. Perhaps he was already known as one who was doing miracles. Perhaps he was already known as one who was uh, multiplying loaves and fishes. Some of these, uh, some of these um, historical events are not always in perfect sequential timeline order in the gospel. So Maybe it's difficult to know exactly all that this crowd had experienced, but it says that they were there, they were pressing on him to hear the word of God. So there was the Lord Jesus, the perfect servant, preaching the word of God, the crowd surrounding him. Um, you could almost imagine a painting of this scene. There were two fishing boats in the background, and there are indeed people who have painted scenes like this. Imagining what it looks like. Two ships pulled up on the shore. One belonged to Peter. That was one of his business assets, a productive asset. Help me not to go into economics and business theory here, but factors of production, a boat. The other belonged to James and John. Uh, perhaps it was the boat uh, from which they had left their father's Zebedee previously when Jesus called them. But there was the boat again. So these fishermen were not among the crowd. They were off washing their nets. Perhaps they should have been standing next to Jesus, listening to his word. I'm not sure, but after a, a night of fishing, they were just sort of picking away at their nets, cleaning off the, the seaweed, whatever one does to clean a net. I have not really ever cleaned a net, so I don't know, but uh, they were not extracting dead or live fish from the net, apparently, because it had been a long and fruitless night of fishing. Have you ever experienced times like that, that you feel that there's something you're called to do, or perhaps, perhaps I'm conjecturing that like Peter, that it's something that you know that you were not called to do, but you're trying to do it anyway. You're pressing on in an area that perhaps 
you have some inkling, some vague notion, or maybe something very specific that this isn't really what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm going to do it anyway because uh, I'm not sure about what else it is that God is calling me to do. So this is going to be my effort. So Jesus, of course, he knew exactly what he was doing when he showed up. He knew what he was about to do. Again, it was his relentless and persistent call for those whom he loved and those who he wanted to use. Those he wanted to train and disciple and that he wanted to unleash them on the world of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of all the earth, as we see at the end of Matthew and in the book of Acts. So, after teaching the crowd, the Lord turns to Peter and says, put out into the deep, go for it, give it another shot, and uh, let down your nets for a catch. Jesus gives a sense of certainty and also... He gives uh, really a command, right? He, he doesn't say to Peter, well, why don't you give it another shot? What do you think? How about, you know, between you and me, you try it again, and let's see what happens. But he says, put out in the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And it's, it's a direct order. He tells Peter what to do. And uh, Now, if, if you were an expert fisherman and some... And you'd been fishing all night, and you know there's no fish out there. And a carpenter walks up to you and says, hey, get out there and do this again. Get your, get your nets down. Get some fish. It's like, Lord, we tried this all night. There's nothing out there. There's no fish to be caught. I know this business better than you do, Lord. What might Jesus really know about this? That's probably rattling around in Peter's mind at this time. Perhaps he was wondering, you know, Lord, I've been doing this all night. Did you have a nice sleep overnight? The reality is the Lord might have been up all night praying as well. So I'm conjecturing and imagining, sanctified imagination, perhaps things that are not written here. But nevertheless, we do see Peter's resistance. He says, Master... We work hard all night, and we caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the net. So Peter, to his great credit, does respond in obedience and reaps the reward of, of a great blessing. Now, Peter, ever the leader of the crowd, Peter, James, and John here, being the ones that were kind of the subject of this little scenario, but Peter is uh, ever the active one who immediately responds by falling at the feet of Jesus. And his response is, is most uh, insightful for us to see. Um, what does he say? Lord, thank you for the great catch of fish. Now I can supply my family with their needs. Now I can go to market and sell these fish. Lord, thank you for this miracle. Uh, sorry that I didn't think that you knew better. Depart from me, he says, for I am a, a sinful man, O Lord. Depart, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He recognizes 
his own character, and he recognizes immediately the lordship of Christ. So as we reflect on his statement, it was certainly an act of humble worship on the part of the Apostle Peter. Peter, if I can use a pun, he had been schooled. He had just been schooled in his own profession, something on which he was an expert. You know, are there things that you consider yourself knowledgeable in? Are there things in which you're developing an expertise? Are there things in which you feel comfortable that that this is something that I can speak with authority on, on Instagram, (laughs) or or wherever you speak. (laughs) Or this is something I've really grasped in one of these classes I've taught that I've I've taken. Uh, And you feel that you're an expert. Certainly, you know, Peter would have felt that way about the profession of fishing. Uh, But, again, he had just been shown up by the Lord Jesus, and now he saw Jesus as the Lord, and not only as a master, he also recognizes um, his own sinfulness. Perhaps he recognizes his, his own, even though he obeyed, I think there was an element of unbelief, of incredulity, as the Lord said, you know, let down those nets and you will get a catch. And he's like, you know, okay, Lord, if you say so, I'll do it. I mean, what are you going to say to the Lord? He did respect the Lord. He knew the Lord. He had seen the Lord in action already. Uh, so he obeyed. Perhaps his statement of his sinfulness was related to his reluctance to fully follow the Lord Jesus uh, uh, in the prior call that the Lord had placed on him to leave his nets and become a fisher of men. I will make you fishers of men. But the Lord's words this time are also insightful. The Lord says, do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. So let's reflect for a moment here on Peter's fears. And what might be some of our fears? What might be some of my fears and your fears in following the Lord's uh, call for some specific area of your work? And I'll I'll interject here for a moment. Uh, It was mentioned I've been here for about a dozen years. Um, My my son went here um, three or four years before that. And he had a wonderful experience here. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of Emmaus Bible College or visited to bring my son here to to study here. And uh, when the call came several years later uh, for the opportunity to to teach and to be part of a business program here and to begin that program and to add that to Emmaus, that was a call for me. I was living in the state of Delaware And my wife was very happy there. And the thought of moving to Iowa, ice, snow, wind, tornadoes, was not uh, immediately embraced. And she thought that I was on some sort of midlife crisis, that I I wanted to become a professor. 
and I wouldn't have to actually work anymore and be involved in the business that I was engaged in, and I could sit with my feet on a desk and stroke my chin and ponder the deep theories of business. So for me, that was a moment for us, for my wife and I. That was a moment where we had to ask ourselves, what does the Lord have for our future? What does the Lord want us to be engaged in? And we, we've been blessed to be involved here. But yeah, there was, there was some struggles, some decisions, some, some hesitancy. Uh, it required some faith. People have made much greater leaps, let me tell you. So I'm no hero for that. But the Lord will place before you various leaps of faith in your life. Some will be huge. Some will be not so huge. The question is, will you walk through that door when the Lord opens it, when he clearly shows it's open? It's not about someone else did less or someone else did more. Someone else had greater challenges. It's the challenge that God places before you. So Peter had fears. He had fears indeed. How is he going to make a living if he really embraces this call to follow the Lord, to become a fisher of men and to catch men? I'm sure that he understood the implications, that the Lord wanted to train him for these, he didn't know, but for these three years or so of ministry, and that he would be a great apostle, and that he would be a great leader in the church and a proclaimer to the Jews and even to Gentiles as well, that God would use him in wonderful ways, but he didn't know that. He had no idea what his future was. So Peter was clearly fearful of leaving his means of living. And so as as you ponder, where will God call me? Well, he might call you to start a business. He might call you to work in a ministry. He might call you to work for a megachurch and be paid a lot of money to be a a big-name pastor. He might call you to some far-flung country where few will ever hear of you, where you can't communicate in detail, what God is really doing because of persecution, where your, labor, where your labor will be unseen and your income will be subsistence. I don't know, and you don't know. Your first steps are the ones of faith. Peter did not know. All that was in store for him, including his ultimate death and crucifixion for his Lord and Savior. Peter did not know that. What he needed to do at this day, on this time, at this shore, is take the words of the Lord Jesus, fear not, fear not. That's what the Lord's words were. For now on, you'll be catching men. So fear not if the Lord is calling you. So the Lord encourages him not to fear about his his career and his means of living, But perhaps also Peter was fearful because he did recognize, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He recognized, you know, a vast separation between who he was, who he is, and who this man that he recognized as a master, as Lord, didn't know him yet as Savior, did not recognize that about him, was premature at this point. But he nevertheless recognized a vast difference between himself. And this was fearful. This was scary 
to really recognize that he was in the presence of the living God, to have understood in some small way that this is who he was before. It's a little bit like Isaiah when he says, Woe is me, for I'm undone. So he was fearful because of seeing this vast separation. And it's an encouragement to you and me that the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made the ultimate provision for, for my sin. Peter, again, did not perhaps fully grasp that at this point. The Lord's crucifixion had not yet taken place. And the Lord's words about his ultimate pathway were not understood when they were conveyed to Peter and the other apostles. But the Lord has made that provision for you and me as well. He has, his sacrifice on the cross has paid for my sin, for your sin, for my sins, the ones that I have committed and will likely commit, for my sin nature. He's given me a new nature. So we have no fear. We have no fear of God. We have no fear of coming before the throne of judgment. Fear not. Fear not, because the Lord has dealt with your sin. His sacrifice has covered that. So, as we conclude and our time is up, clearly this incident in the life of Peter was a major turning point in his life, but it wasn't the only one. It was one of many. This was, not, this was his ultimate call where he did walk with Jesus, but yet he failed and stumbled. So the message and the meaning of this incident for us perhaps is to understand the persistence of the Lord Jesus in his call for each one of us. He will not give up. So I guess a couple of quick final points that to really follow Jesus, we must recognize that we are not adequate of ourselves. We're not sufficient to the task. We don't have the power for the task. Whether it's preaching a chapel message, whatever it is that God is calling you to do on this day and in the days to come, we're not adequate in our own power. Secondly, that the Lord himself knows our weaknesses and our unbeliefs and gives room for us, brings evidence to us, the evidence of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, the power of his indwelling person with us, uh, the things, the doors he opens along the way. So the Lord gives us plenty of evidence. He certainly gave Peter some great evidence here, a boatload of fish, literally. And then thirdly, to follow Jesus, there are things that you will have to give up, and you have to make that decision. Peter could have said no, Humanly speaking, could have said, no thanks, Lord, call someone else. And you know, that's what, that's what my wife said to me when we were considering coming to Emmaus these dozen years ago. Ultimately, one of our decision points was, you know, the Lord is going to use someone to do that job. Emmaus will find someone to teach business administration. It could, it could be my privilege to serve the Lord in this way. Or I could say no, and someone else will do it, and the world will keep going. 
when the Lord calls you, there are things that you will have to give up and decisions to be made. The Lord will further His eternal purposes for His kingdom by His power for His eternal glory. Will you be used by Him? Will you be in the center of His will? Will you be one of those who the Lord can count on despite your ups and downs and failures? Or will you pass up those opportunities and the Lord will use someone else? He will not give up on you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you and praise you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for his power, his majesty, his humility. Most of all, here this morning, as we learn again about his persistence in calling us. So we pray that if he's knocking on any of our doors, that that we will open the door. And when the door is open, that we'll see the path that you've prepared and that we'll walk through it. Thank you for the Apostle Peter, for as a, as a human being, his diligence, his faithfulness, his persistence, his great testimony, the great sermons he preaches in the book of Acts. Lord, when we see from where he came and to where he went, uh, what a miracle of work in his life. And Lord, use us, we pray. We thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.